For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on the Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about Elijah Hughes' draft chances and where we stand on the start of the 2020 football season. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is NBA scouting consultant Ryan Blake. Ryan, thank you so much for coming back on the program. How are you today? Absolutely, and thank you for having me. Hope you're doing well during uh, during this time. Yeah, Ryan, we're hanging in there, and I want to get you started on this one. Obviously, we're in an unprecedented time now with COVID-19. How are NBA scouts and NBA teams able to do their due diligence on players they're thinking about drafting? Well, it's interesting. You know, we, we obviously can't do any live uh, evaluations. I think um, with the NBA teams and the people that have done their body of work ahead of time, um, and this will change things going forward to get as much evaluation um, as you can prior to the draft. Uh, I think right now the NBA teams, the scouts, are doing a, a lot of video, a lot of homework. They're really in detail going through all the games. And that may include like right up into uh, the conference play. I mean, you, you got to think, even uh, there are some conferences that had, like, one game before everything was shut down. And they'll, they'll go back and evaluate, and they'll take the circle graph, and they'll be shading in, and they'll be trying to think of other ways of how the NBA may or may not um, evaluate or uh, continue to um, think about what are the ways we – that we can have evaluations, you know, whether or not we're going to have an NBA combine, uh, that's going to be pushed back. Uh, the lottery is pushed back because we can't actually have a draft without having the lottery. And the lottery was supposed to be the day before our NBA combine in Chicago next week, and that's not going to happen. Um, so everybody is just trying to do as much homework as they can. And a lot of it's just research and um uh, television or, or video. Ryan, let's talk a little Syracuse basketball now. Elijah Hughes is in the NBA draft this year. He was Syracuse's best player and a first-team All-ACC selection. What are his NBA skills that he brings to the table? Well, I think there's, you know, he's he's versatile uh, as a big swing or guard, someone that can play and defend uh, multiple positions, someone that can shoot um, uh, the outside shot, that can pass. 
That's a good athlete. Um, you know, again, as we'll always bring up here, is how do we evaluate someone in the 2-3 zone? Uh, and I think when you're looking at NBA teams and they're evaluating Syracuse or other teams that primarily play zone, that's where uh, individual workouts and other outside events help, but they'll be looking at um, tangibles. Uh, they will go into advanced analytics to see, um, you know, keep in front percentages or deflections, um, hockey assists. You know, he was a good shot blocker for his size. Um, and you see how that can play and shade in, you know, for pluses or and or negatives. Um, you know, when you have someone that size uh, that can uh, make an impact on both ends of the floor, he's going to be a viable prospect uh, to consider in the draft. Ryan, on the flip side of that, you know, I've watched every game that Elijah Hughes has appeared in for Syracuse. I know some of his weaknesses, consistency, shot selection. You just mentioned it yourself. He's a good athlete, not a great athlete. Are there areas that you can see him needing to work on? Yeah, sure. I mean, everybody's going to have things that they can work on, and you're going to have strengths and concerns. And I'm a coach. If I'm a coach, I and I do this for players and athletes. You know, you just split that piece of paper down the line, you put strengths and concerns. You always want to improve your strengths. You always want to com- improve your concerns. Shot selection, okay? Well, if you're a lawyer or a coach, you go, well, why is he taking these, sh- these shots? Is he getting the green light? You know, those kind of things. Can he play in a different setting? Uh, it, does he have the ability to improve? Does he have the basketball IQ to say, hey, I could have done this? Uh, if he takes a shot and gives up a, an easy assist, those things will be going on through every game. I mean, if you look at his, you know, at, like towards the end of the season, you know, I think it was the conference tournament when they played uh, North Carolina, you know, he puts up 27 points and he's aggressive on the defensive end, you know, kind of the things that you want and you lean towards. Um, so it's, you have to evaluate, you have to have an open mind and independent thinking. Yes, uh, every Every athlete that comes into the draft, first round lottery, whatever, they're not going to get floor time unless they play defense. Um, And that potential and those skills that we think Elijah has um, are there. Uh, Shot selection, all those things. But those also can be player production, you know, player development stuff too. The thing that we would have liked to have seen, you know, as we both say, he's a good athlete, but he's not a great athlete. Well, we don't know that until we get some of the testing done. Um, we've found out that, uh, and many times over, we'll find a player that, uh, even if it's a big, we'll go, oh, I didn't know his laterals, you know, he was that quick. I didn't know that his jumping ability was that, you know, you know, he could, was that high, that, those things. So having as much information as you can for a player is important. Brian, we'll get you out of here on this one. You mentioned that during the time of COVID-19, you're not able to get players in for workouts in person to get their measurables, and you're strictly going off tape for the time being. Syracuse plays in the 2-3 zone in the past. You could get a better evaluation of an SU's player defensive skill in person. You can't do that now, so does that hurt Elijah Hughes? Um, We'll just say it can, but I think it can also hurt and help other players too. Um, you know, they'll be, the NBA teams will also be doing interviews and research. Um, 
they've done their body of work. You know, there are certain teams that have done more of the body of the work. There's, it only takes one team to like that player or want that player. We've had players in the past that have not been on the media or mock websites that have gone into the first round. Um, you know, there was a, a, a GM. My dad got gave a, a Sacramento GM way in the past, back in the day, a great piece of advice when he was asked, is this guy a first-round draft pick? And my dad replied, he is if you make him one, right? So <laughs> kind of kind of funny, but it's it's true. I mean, you've got to believe in what you're what you about the player, and and I think I've told you you got that circle graph, you got your likes, you got all these people in a room. Some people may like like them, but you start shading in, and then you can have sort of this substance fact go. Yes, this is what I like. Um, so can it hurt? Yes. I mean, can it help him if he was? Can it hurt him? Yeah, but if someone already likes them and they're already, they've done their body of work and this is someone they, they want to invest in, um, then they'll do that. And so after after the draft, whether he goes first round, second round, or undrafted, he's going to make um, he's going to have that interest. His name, his you know, his phone's going to be light, you know, lit up. Uh, he's going to have training camp. I don't know if we're going to have summer league, all that. So he's still going to get that opportunity. Those doors will be open for him, whether he gets it. Now, obviously, we, you want a first-round draft pick because that's, you know, your guaranteed money there. And, of course, when you get into the second round or undrafted, those percentages of making an NBA team do diminish. Ryan, thank you so much for coming back on the program. Again, NBA scouting consultant Ryan Blake doing a great job of breaking down the NBA draft process with Elijah Hughes. Stay safe and healthy during this time period. We'll speak with you soon. Thank you, Wes, and stay safe and healthy. Really love having Ryan on the program, and I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online editor-in-chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am hanging in there, Wes. Thank you very much. Brad, we're two months into the COVID-19 crisis, and under normal circumstances, we'd be talking about football training camps starting up soon. We don't even know if we're going to be playing a college football season this year. So where do you think we stand as we get closer to summer? I've been trying to piece this all together, Wes, you know, taking just different bits of information that we've been heard, you know, we've heard from John Wildack, and we, of course, hear constantly from government officials and medical experts and sports administrators and conference commissioners and the, and the like. So trying to piece this together, here's what I'm sort of coming up with, and we can kind of see as we talk this through if it kind of makes sense of where Syracuse football is going to be for the 2020 season. Well, we know that most folks, including John Wildack, have mentioned a, a six-week timeline to get a team ready. And he said, let's start looking towards the end of June, July 1 at the latest, if we're going to think that we want to try to get this season started on time. And quite frankly, Wes, I just do not see how the season is going to start on time. The concept of a game September 4th in Newton, Massachusetts against BC, and then a game September 12th against Rutgers in New Jersey with all that's going on in those states at this present time in early May really makes it hard to fathom that there'll be college football games played or certainly with crowds in the stands played in those early days in September. So kind of looking now, is it going to be realistic to then have just conference games 
and where they start right there at Saturday, October 3rd. If you look at the calendar, there are five Saturdays in October, four in November. So there's nine Saturdays there. There's eight ACC conference games. Will they just try to look to get conference games in and start the season late at October 3rd? So if you backtrack, you know, six weeks before that, you're now at the end of August. That may look as a more realistic date if they're going to be able to say, yes, we're going to have students on campus. Because let's face it, if there's no students on campus, there's not going to be college football. They're not just going to single out the, the football players to return them to campus if it isn't back to normal life, uh, campus life with other students on campus. So those are the kind of dates that I'm looking at. Would that mean like an eight-game ACC schedule and the non-conference games against Colgate, Rutgers, Western Michigan, and Liberty would just be go to the wayside or Maybe they'd have one game or a scrimmage against Colgate in late September to get help get ready for the season. That's what I'm kind of seeing at this point right now as you piece, piecemeal some of these dates to see if it's fathomable to have a season in the fall of 2020. Brad, now that we're in May, we're doing more evergreen stories on the Juice Online. And one in particular that I like to talk about was your weekly Orange Watch column about the father-son connection. Specifically at Syracuse, we know that Father Jim is coaching son Buddy. You looked at it this week and you saw others in the Syracuse coaching staff, past and present, that have had similar experiences. What gave you the idea to write this kind of story? Well, one thought of it, Wes, was Jim Beheim is coaching Buddy Beheim here, and as he finishes his career in two seasons, are we looking at that the final date, the final career-ending season for the Hall of Famer Jim Beheim as Buddy finishes up in 21-22? Now, if that's the case, of course, a succession plan has to be put in place. So kind of the genesis of this idea is recruiting has kind of been – being done behind the scenes because no business is usual in all the sports, and that includes major college basketball recruiting. Certainly a lot is being done behind the scenes. A lot is being done virtually, but the events aren't being held. Players aren't able to travel. Coaches aren't able to travel. So all that's been kind of muted as to what's going to be going on here as we do look forward ahead to Jim Beheim finishing up coaching his son, Buddy, and what will be the succession plan if it indeed involves the current coaching staff. So as I thought about Jim Beheim and Buddy Beheim, I said, you know what? Well, the coach before Jim Beheim, Roy Danforth, who Jim Beheim served under for seven years, he happened to coach his son, Mike. And that was at the very final year he was with Syracuse before he went to Tulane as the basketball coach and athletic director, and Mike Danforth finished his college career at Tulane. Then I looked into it a little bit further and saw that ex-Syracuse assistant and orange player Lewis Orr coached his son Chauncey at Bowling Green for a couple of seasons. And then three of Jim Beheim's assistants earlier in his career have also now spawned very successful basketball coaches. That's, of course, Rick Pitino with his son, Richard. That's Brendan Malone, NBA coach with his son, Michael, at the Denver Nuggets, and Ralph Willard with his son, Kevin, at Seton Hall. So I just thought it was kind of interesting that the last two Syracuse head coaches, Wes, both had the opportunity to coach their sons while being the head coach at Syracuse. 
And Brad, we are right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. My closing thoughts, Wes, revolve around one of the greatest coaches, not only in pro football history, but in coaching history, who passed away uh, Monday of this week, Don Shula of the Miami Dolphins at the age of 90. And I'm a longtime Miami Dolphin fan, as I've mentioned on the podcast and written about in the juice prior. And I remember uh, first meeting Don Shula in August of 1972, so I'm aging myself a little bit at Dolphins training camp and had an opportunity in my professional career to interact with Don Shula when a Syracuse player would be drafted by the Miami Dolphins. And a couple of things stood out to me about Don Shula and the Syracuse connection, Wes, and the first one is his love of Larry Zaka. And the great Syracuse back was from Stowe, Ohio. Don Shula was from Painesville, Ohio. They both came from Hungarian immigrant families. They both had tremendous work ethic. They were overachievers. And when Larry Zonka uh, came to the Miami Dolphins, he was first there uh, two years before Don Shula. But when Shula showed up, there was an instant connection between the two. And, of course, Larry Zonka helped lead Miami to that undefeated season, the only one in pro football history in 1972. And then a year later in 73 was the Super Bowl MVP. Now, they parted on some bad terms a year after that when Larry Zonka took the money that the World Football League was offering. But they reconciled in later years and have rem had remained close until Don Shula's passing. The other Syracuse connection to Don Shula I thought of when he passed away was back in 1987 when I was covering uh, the Orange in Syracuse. He drafted wide receiver Scott Schwedes in the second round. And the Dolphins actually traded up to move to get the last pick in the second round, specifically to draft Scott Schwedes, of course, the great uh, Syracuse receiver, punt returner, and the son of Gerhard Schwedes, who led the Orange to the 59 National Championship. So in their DeWitt suburban home, Scott Schwedes is in the uh, furnished basement down there awaiting the phone call, which team was going to draft him. So a buzz of activity at the end of the second round. Here comes the phone call from the Miami Dolphins. On the other end is Don Shula welcoming him to the Miami Dolphins of the NFL and said, hey, Scott, you're going to return a punt for a touchdown for me, aren't you? <laughs> and so Scott was all excited and giggling into the phone. Of course, Coach, of course. Well, two years later, 1989, his third year in the league, Scott Schwedes finally returned a punt for the touchdown against the San Diego Chargers. So just thought it was interesting to always remember that moment when Scott Schwedes was drafted by Don Shula, and he finally accomplished that goal and his everlasting love for the great Syracuse back, Larry Zonka. Brad, my closing thoughts are on Bayheim's Army. We just had General Manager Kevin Belby on the podcast a few weeks ago. Since then, Bayheim's Army has added former Syracuse superstars Brandon Trish and Demetrius Nichols on top of a roster that already includes Malachi Richardson, Tyler Lydon, and Eric Devendorf. I'm really hoping that the COVID-19 clears by that time. The TBT starts in July, and we can see this team come together for a sixth year. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that vampires who have the hardest are probably the ones with underbites. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV. We'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network.
Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.